You're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. So you're tuned in to Shift Happens, the spoken word, Tuesday at 3 o'clock and then re-airs on Sunday at the same time. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And today we are talking to Stephanie Banks from Kamloops. Stephanie has had a really interesting experience, sort of a near-death experience that changed the course of her life. Uh, And as a result, she wrote a book called A Soulful Awakening. And we met Stephanie a while back uh, last year at a um, wellness event and uh, really connected and thought it would be fun to talk to her. So, hi, Steph. Hi, how's it going? Great. Hello, Steph. Hey, long time no chat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You were in Mexico or something for the last month, huh? We were actually in Nicaragua for five and a half weeks. Wow. Now it's slowly becoming our home away from home. So it's a uh, beautiful country. Cool. Do you find it a bit hard to uh, reintegrate when you get back? Yeah, I did this year. It's, I think because now we have connected with people that are from the country and we're getting more involved with the local community and um, it's becoming more of a home. So it was definitely more difficult. We've only been back for about three days and I'm slowly starting to reestablish who I am here, it's kind of interesting because here I'm just so busy, like most of us that live in, in North America, and it's quite the time shift in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, we went through the same thing. We le- we used to live in Ecuador. Oh, okay. And, yeah, it's a huge, huge it's- culture shock to come back to the quote-unquote civilized world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's different when you're there for holidays, but when you start to feel like you're living there, it uh, yeah, you really do change the way you are there, and then you get back here and kind of try to be North American again. It's kind of tough. Yeah, it's an interesting experience, and I think you know the best thing about traveling is that you um, you sort of remember that there's a lot of other ways that you can live your life, and that it's easy to get stuck in the way that you know. But yeah. there's the world is a big place, and so are the opportunities that you have. So for me, it's when I travel, I like, always come back with a broader perspective of what my life is and what it can be and what it will be and all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. traveling has always been a big part of my life. Did you go through the, through the same thing that we did? Um, basically, when we were there, we had to unlearn being a human doing and be a human being. That's so well put. And it's true, you do. It took me about three or four days to sort of get on to Nika time, as yeah. they say, where, you know, three o'clock could be three o'clock of any day of the week. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be three o'clock on Wednesday. And yeah, uh, it yes. just, it, it's not it's not a hard routine to fall into, though. And that's, that's the thing. And I have to try to um, remember what that's like when I'm here. So if I'm feeling impatient, um, while I'm waiting for somebody else or I want to get something done now, I'm just going to try to resort back to that feeling of Nika time where, you know, we do, time is just this illusion and, and we kind of fall into this trap in North America and any um, of the first world countries, I would think, where we have these expectations where things have to be done like right now, right now, right now, right now. And mm-hmm. not only do we have those expectations of other people, but we also have them of ourselves where if we just take a moment to take a deep breath and um, sort of go with the flow uh, a little bit more than we do have a tendency to do here, especially in Canada and North America. Mm-hmm. Our lives would be, I think, so much more manageable and less stressful. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem, too, and I mean, I'm a bit of a technologist myself, but technology can really strap you down. I mean, if you got your cell phone, you've got the time there, you've got your calendar, you've got you know, it's it's being available 24-7 for your clients and all of that. And it's really easy to get sucked in to giving your power away to other people and other situations instead of owning it yourself. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? 
I do, and I I agree uh, on some of that. And then I also, um, when I was down there, I spent a lot of time still on on the computer and on yeah. my phone, and I was still working, and I was putting together an online program, and I was still taking clients um, mm-hmm. through Skype or Zoom, and um, technology was still very much there. But the difference is is that the, the technology was sort of confined to our condo. When I left the condo, right. I was I left work. Right. Whereas here in North America, in Canada, and Kamloops in particular for me, I still always have my phone everywhere I go. I still mm-hmm. always have my computer everywhere I go. There's always Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just if there was something I would take away from my holiday and that I would pass on to your listeners is that when you when you go out to do something fun, like if you go for a hike or you go for a paddleboard or you go for a ski or whatever, yeah. when you go out into nature... Um, other than maybe having your phone with you for for pictures, turn turn your phone turn all like turn your data off, turn your notifications off, and actually just be present with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't involve technology. So pick your block your time. So when we were in Nicaragua, I'd block my time. So for the next three hours, I'm going to be working, and then the phone's going off. It always went with me because I use it for pictures, but right. that was it. Right. I've been practicing putting it on airplane mode whenever I'm not using it. You know, just Perfect. if I'm not actively doing something, then I stick it on airplane mode. And, and that's you know. just so she can play solitaire on her phone. <laughs> without, <laughs> without interruption. You know? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, the, uh, but all it of is that a, aside. It is a good point, though, just to finish this off. Right. Um, you're right. I mean, that's the beauty of technology as well, is it does give you the option to go to an exotic place, for example, and still be productive. The the key is just you be in control of the technology instead of the other way around. Absolutely, and right? it's liberating and it's self empowering yeah. to to know that yeah. that that you still that you may still have access to it, but you're the one deciding when you're going to partake in in that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the reason we wanted to talk to you today is to kind of get uh, well to introduce our people, the people in our region, in our listening area to you and what you do. And, and maybe you could start out with how you started all of this. Sure. So uh, I guess for me, uh, the big wake up call, and I think we've all, um, most of us who are listening to this program have had some sort of wake up call. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine happened in 2012. And that also seems to be a pretty dominant year for a lot of people in my experience after um, engaging with people on a spiritual level for the last five or six years now, 2012 was kind of a big year for for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine started out, well, it was sort of like a two-stage process for me. Um, On my birthday in 2012, so in April, I found out that I had Lyme's disease um, from a little tick that we get here in BC. Oh, that's not from drinking uh, too many margaritas? What's that? That's from drinking too many margaritas. It's too much lime, isn't it? Go with (laughs) with lemons instead. Uh, That'd be a much easier detox, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so that sort of, and the only reason why I really bring that up is because uh, in order to overcome the effects of Lyme's disease, I went on uh, kind of a personal healing journey, and it involved a lot of detoxing. So uh, mostly uh, dietary detox in that particular case. Um, so I, I kind of started out with this um, pretty fresh, uh, clean plate in terms of my in, like physical interior. And then in August of the same year, I was on a mountain biking trip with my partner and our son, and we had gone to Whistler. And we were up on the ski hill and we were um, just sort of testing the waters and seeing what runs we wanted to do. And I was pretty new to downhill biking, so we started out on a green run and uh, that was pretty easy for all of us. So then we went back up for a second run and we did a blue run, which is an intermediate run. It's the same sort of coating as you'd find on a, you know, if you're on your skis or a snowboard. And we came to the section where you could either go around um, a variety of jumps or you could actually take the jumps. So my partner and son decided that they were going to do the this set of jumps. And I just went around it and we met at the bottom. And then we rode the chair back up and we decided that we would do the exact same run. Only this time when we got to the series of jumps, I would bypass them all, go down to sort of the bottom of the jump section and then take pictures of the two of them 
hitting these jumps. So we got to this particular spot. We stop. We assess. I see the route that I'm going to take, and um, the guys are going to wait. So as I started out on the path that would literally just take me past these jumps, it was this sort of weird, uncontrollable urge, and I think we've all been there too, where you don't expect to do something and all of a sudden you find yourself doing it. And what I found was that I was heading into one of these jumps. And these are all black diamond jumps. This is like for people that know what they're doing. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not a jump, I'm not much of a mountain biker at the best of times, let alone to be hitting sort of these, these big hits on the middle of a major mountain. And I could see the jump coming towards me. And I was thinking at the time that I would just roll over it, you know, like, Right. I didn't really have to jump it. I could just sort of roll over it and enjoy the view kind of thing. This was a thought that was going through my head. And then I got a little bit closer, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this isn't going to be good. It turned out that there was a bit, it was a gap jump. So yeah. from the point of takeoff to the point of landing was about an eight-foot gap or six, six to eight feet. And then uh, below that was the gully. And all this is happening so quickly, as you can imagine, because I'm on my bike and I'm, I'm going at a fairly good speed, but I wasn't going fast enough to actually get enough speed to to go over the entire jump. So what ended up happening, and I was going too fast to slow down and stop and not hit it at all. So I ended up just literally launching in through the air and I could see this rock face coming towards me. And part of me for a second thought that my back tire would actually grab the top and I might actually make it. Um, but it didn't at all, and I, I ended up smashing, like, head first, face first, body first, bike first into this rock wall on the other side and um, ended up consequently falling into this gully beneath me and had my bike land on top of me. And um, and that was sort of the beginning of the major wake-up call, which was instigated by this um, accident, smashing into this rock face. And without getting into like all the details because we just don't have enough time and it's all in my book for anyone who's interested. Basically what happened is I had a near death experience where um I traveled to the other side and I saw my life in its totality. So in other words, like I saw my life here at Stephanie Banks, here on Earth in this physical body, but I also saw the broader sense of who I am, that eternal being that resides in the non-physical that is always connected to source creation and to our guides and our angels and the people that have passed away and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And at some point in that journey, I was given um, the choice, basically, and this is, I think this is a, a key component in the whole story, is that we always have a choice. It's not like you just get plucked off the earth and your time's up and somebody makes that decision for you. We have that choice. And I made a decision... Um, that I actually didn't want to stay in the non-physical, as beautiful and enticing as it was, I actually decided that I didn't want to see anymore, that I wanted to be able to bring back what I did know now to be true back into my body and reinstate with it, heal, and then be able to share my experience with other people so that they too could benefit and um, change their life in whatever way they've desired in order to have a better understanding of who they are and their purpose here on earth. So um, that was kind of the experience and how that played out was um, basically I was pretty, I was pretty injured. Obviously I ended up in emergency and all that kind of thing. And then I was at home the next day recovering and I had, when I left the hospital, I had two casts on my arms, one on each arm. Um, I had begged with the doctor to not cast, at least one of my arms because I just couldn't imagine trying to uh, take care of myself. And yeah. I, a, I, I have a business and a farm and we all can relate, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how you would feel if you had two casts in your arms, plus the other injuries, I had a pretty bad injury to my shin and um, my thigh. Luckily my head was fine. Although some might, <laughs> some <laughs> might beg to differ on that one, but in my opinion, my head was fine. And so long story short, he ended up, um, uh, casting my right arm full or my left arm fully and then half casting my left arm. And it gave me the ability to actually remove the cast if I wanted, which I did by the time we hit Lillooet on the way home and I never put that cast on again. <laughs> and the reason why that's important is because 
part of my recovery or a big part of my recovery process um, became writing. And that was my way of sort of working through my anger and my frustration um, that I put myself in that situation and that I was now more of a burden to my company than I was actually an asset. Um, I felt the same way about uh, my family life and just being confined to, you know, probably two months of recovery. Yeah. Uh, I found writing was a big outlet for me. And so the first day of my recovery, I lay, sat down and I pulled out a journal and I was contemplating what to write about. And uh, I think we can all relate to this idea as well. Um, it's like I just wasn't there for a while. You know how sometimes, usually, unfortunately, it happens when you're driving. You're driving yeah. or you're an autopilot and all of a sudden you're at point B, but there's this whole gap in between that you just can't really quite recall. Yes. <laughs> that that happened that to me while I was writing. So here I was in my mind thinking, what am I going to write about? But then all of a sudden I kind of came back into reality and I saw that I had all actually already been writing for probably an extended period of time because it turned out that I had written about an eight-page letter uh, from my mother to me, and she had passed away in 1996 when I was 24. So here I was sitting on my balcony with this letter in my hand from my mother written to me by my hand, and it just absolutely like blew me away. I, didn't, I had no idea what to make of it. Um, I went back, obviously, and I, I read it, and she was talking about how my heart had been blocked, but now it was open, that um, times were changing, that the world as a whole was go- is going through a time of powerful change, um, and just like all sorts of stuff. It was eight pages, and it was all new information to me. Like I wasn't, I had never heard of Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and Bruce <laughs> Lipton and all these people that now are, you know, commonplace in my household. At the time, I was just sort of living the average life, and I felt like I had was living a fairly conscious life, but I definitely wasn't on the same path. And so basically what that did is that prompted me um, to wake up every morning and and write, and but more purposefully, like I would sit down with a journal and I would write um, sort of an intro, and I would thank the universe and our guides for being there. And uh, if was there anyone else out there who had a message to share with me today? And and that has pretty much been the case ever since. And I, so I, every time I sat down to write and every time I still sit down to write, I just received these amazing messages. And, of course, I started sharing them with my partner and our son and, uh, and eventually with some close friends and then, uh, and then eventually with my employees at work. And it just started to really transform my life because all of a sudden I had this amazing insight that was really quite simple in terms of how to live a really purposeful and conscious life. But although I had the information in, in writing, I still had to begin implementing it into my life and begin practicing the, the lessons that were being shared. And as I did so, I uh, really recognized that my life was changing for the better and that the people who I was sharing with were also having profound changes in their own life. And, uh, and that kind of just led me on this path of, um, of sharing, of continuing to write. Uh, I now channel verbally, and I have for quite a few years for, um, for large groups, small groups, individuals. Uh, and that, that channeling is kind of unique because when I do a verbal channel, um, it's a group of beings that come to me that are known as Solomon, and uh, the wisdom that comes through um, is just, like, it's hard to explain. The energy changes in the room. It's such an unbiased, loving, sincere, authentic form of support um, that is being offered, and uh, it's at first it was quite scary to share that with the world mm-hmm. <laughs> around me, especially yeah. in my local community where I am a landscape owner and I, you know, I'm a trades worker from Kamloops. And then all of a sudden to just sort of come out of the spiritual closet and put yourself out there um, can be a bit scary and challenging, but it's just been the most rewarding uh, experience ever. And uh, it's just led me to where I am today. So that's kind of the long and short of it all. Mm-hmm. So would you say that uh, that accident actually was a positive event in your life then? Absolutely, for sure. There's no doubt. And, you know, at, 
at first, and the, maybe the first 24 hours, it didn't seem like that. And there was times, obviously, throughout the whole transition that I maybe didn't feel the same way because it was, uh, sometimes it was scary. Like I was, you know, it was, it was something that was new. Um, I felt like, um, I felt like it was just so different that I didn't really know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I had to completely reestablish a relationship with myself, which was interesting because I am myself. So <laughs> trying to re remember who I was and now who I, who I am was definitely a process. And I think for many of us who are going through uh, a spiritual awakening of sorts or are trying to deepen our connection, uh, there's times that are more trying than others because we're shifting energetically. And then oftentimes our physical bodies will also feel the effects of that. And, um, and it can be a challenge, but in the end, the rewards that, come from it all are far surpass any of the challenges. And I think, you know, when I talk in front of groups of people, one of the things that, or individuals one-on-one, one of the things that I talk about is that when something challenging happens in your life, embrace it because the opportunity to catapult to a higher vibration and a higher sense of awareness are, you know, 10 times greater or a hundred times greater than they would be if you just kept taking these little steps without any challenges. So embrace the challenges love them, and um, it's an opportunity to deep, deepen your trust and your faith in yourself as a human being that's also an energetic being that has the loving support of the universe and, um, and all that is, whatever word you want to use for that, it's there to support us on our journeys. And when we are challenged, um, it's a great opportunity to sort of kickstart something into a higher gear um, and to move into a higher state of awareness. Well, it comes down to the motivation, too. When you're reaching out to help other individuals and you ask for help from your highest and deepest self, then you have to trust that that information will be made available and it's just coming through you. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What has really impressed me um, with you is... You know, it hasn't been that long and you have gone from, you know, being relatively asleep uh, to just just taking it all on, just uh, sort of accepting it, going with it. And I mean, you've you've written a book since then. You've you've uh, developed courses. You've done speaking engagements. (laughs) You've been doing a lot of stuff with this in a relatively short period of time. Well, I, I think in part that's um, to do with the fact that I'm an Aries and a fire sign, and we, we have a tendency to be entrepreneurs and um, initiators, and um, I have an amazing partner in the background that you guys met as well, mm-hmm. Steve, and he has been, um, he's definitely been a gentle push in all of these directions, and um, I can't say that, I mean, it would be hard to know where things would have taken me if it wasn't for him, but I think it's nice to have uh, somebody who is there to kind of hold us accountable in, in some ways, and I think sometimes that word has a negative connotation, but yeah. as human beings, it's easy to sort of hide out in the background and to not push ourselves just a little bit more, and uh, he's definitely been instrumental in that, and, you know, I have this philosophy that um, success in anything lies one step outside your comfort zone. So, you know, not 10 steps because that might just be a little bit too much, but if you're yep. constantly just kind of pushing the envelope just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, you're constantly expanding and um, the chance of becoming stuck in any one position are slim because you're constantly moving and you're constantly challenging yourself. And um, I believe that humanity as a whole is... Um, is struggling to a certain degree, but on the flip side of that coin, we're also, I feel that we're moving in the right direction, although it may not seem like it at times, but there's definitely this um, urgency, like this undercurrent of people that are moving towards um, more the idea of community and unity and uh, less away from the idea of greed and manipulation and control and all those sort of negative things. And now that um, I've sort of seen 
the light in my own life. Uh, I feel like I have a certain responsibility to share that with others. And, you know, if I'm going to be delivering messages to people that are encouraging them to be authentic and, um, and courageous and to address their fears, well, then I better be a pretty good representation. You got to do it too. I'm just a hypocrite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Walking your talk is important. Yeah. So would you say that, um, you know, the overall feeling that you get when you're connecting to all that is, is that the future is positive or do you think there's going to be a difficult transition? I mean, we are going through a huge shift in consciousness right now. Sometimes those are accompanied by struggle. And I know like in the, you know, in the Kootenays, there's a lot of people here that are just kind of hiding out from what might happen do you feel like that's a potential? Um, well, A, I feel that everything is a potential. Um, so, you know, anything that you can imagine can manifest into a reality. So, um, you know, I don't think it's confined to the Kootenays in terms of people sort of hiding out and necessarily preparing. And by the way, I'm from the Kootenays, so I oh, have nice. a little bit of a heartstring. Um, what that part? part of the world. Pardon me? What part were you from? Fairmont Hot Springs. Oh, huh? cool. Sweet. Gorgeous part of the world. Beautiful. Absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. So I should come back for a visit. Maybe I'll come there and do a, do a talk or a Solomon or something. Sure. <laughs> that would be a great thing to do. Let us know when you're coming. Well, I we could help you organize it. How's that? Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good. good reason to come down that way. So, But I think, you know, in terms of where we're at um, in the world and individually, uh, it's easy to get kind of sucked into the trap of, of thinking that things are going downhill and, you know, when you look at the world around us, it's not hard to see the negativity and it's not hard to see how um, a big portion of our consciousness is off track. But I also think it's really easy to see, if you want to see it, the um, the positive um, contributions of humanity. And I think the times that we see that the most is when, unfortunately, there's a tragic world event and, and people come together and... Um, and the outpouring of humanity is beyond mind-blowing uh, when things like that happen. So everything comes down to a choice. So mm-hmm. I like to keep things simple because in the end, I'm, I'm a pretty simple person. Um, when, I think about, uh, when I think about anything, I, I envision these two hamster wheels. <laughs> one is this um, hamster wheel that is perpetuating fear and negativity, and the other one is perpetuating positivity and, um, yeah. and love and compassion. So in my life, as much as possible, and I'm definitely not, I'm not, uh, I don't um, succeed in this all the time, um, but what I do when I wake up in the morning is I make a conscious decision that um, I'm going to try my best in that day to always try to perpetuate the positive. So mm-hmm. I try to really focus on the things in my life and in the world that are positive, that are contributing to the momentum of that particular wheel that is moving in the direction that I would like to go, that I would like the world to go. Um, and I try to focus as much energy as I can on that. So it comes down to a personal choice. And, and you know, this doesn't mean just making a decision to go to yoga once a week or to do a meditation, you know, every two weeks or whatever. It's in your everyday regular life that you have that choice. So how are you going to handle the person that cut you off on the road? How are you going to handle the, um, the the person in front of you in the grocery store that's taking forever to find a change in their bag or whatever, when, you know, are you going to choose to be impatient or are you going to choose to embrace the idea of learning patience in that moment or whatever the case may be. And that's one of the beautiful things I love about the messages that I've received from the non-physical realm, be it verbal or in written form, is that it really comes down to what I call the spiritual art, the learning the art of patience, learning the art of sincerity, learning the art of authenticity, of all these beautiful, loving qualities that that we can define um, that human beings have within us. Put those on the positive hamster wheel and try to pluck from there rather mm-hmm. than um, buying into the fear and um, and all the negative traits that, that we definitely display as humans. It's also important, too, when you do have those human moments and you're not coming from your highest and deepest self where you do make mistakes and to forgive yourself, too. 
For me, that's a hard thing to do because, yeah, I mean, when you're trying to live a spiritual path and when you don't always live up to it, at least for me, it's easy for me to beat myself up and that doesn't serve anybody. No, and I think that's the hardest lesson for most of us is yeah. the ability to um, to not be hard on, on ourselves. And, we, you know, as much as we're writing our own book of life, we're also our worst critique. You know, our, we're the ones who, who, we're the hardest on ourselves. We're the ones yeah. that are most critical of ourselves. And and then when we um, when we receive criticism from other people, uh, it's really just a reflection of how critical we're being on ourselves. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, of course we're, we're human. There's no, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping us from engaging in the feeling of anger and, um, and yelling at our kids from time to time or, or, especially you know, if they deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially when they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's all part of being human. And I think once we stop, um, being human is when we, pass on and we go back to the non-physical and you know if we're if we're making those mistakes it's kind of a good thing because Mm -hmm. it means we can just be here longer i was just watching a um a documentary on netflix that you reminded me of yesterday uh called obsession about body image in women's body image in particular and one of the gentlemen on the show who started um the what he called the sydney skinny which is a, a giant skinny dip group that gets together and swims every year. And he said he started it because he had had, you know, a tragedy in his life, which sent his life on a new path. And so often we don't really make significant changes in our lives. We don't listen to that little voice in our heads until we go through something really horrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's often tragedy that motivates us to change. And he was hoping that if he could create events that would touch people in a way, he might be able to motivate them to make those shifts without the the giant wake-up call, uh, near-death experience or whatever it is, divorce or death of a loved one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you... Uh, recommend to people since you've gone through this massive transformation things that they could do to transform their lives uh, without having to go through what you went through? For sure. And you, I think, you know, just talking about that, uh, that gentleman who's, who's doing that, it's, it's so true. I mean, we're not all going to, we're not all going to hit a rock wall or get, you know, catapulted through the air by a transport truck or whatever the case may be. Um, to get our wake-up call. And so for those of us that have gone through that uh, sort of the hard way, then um, we, you know, we ha- in my, to me anyways, it's my personal opinion, one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I don't think that you have to do it that way. Um, and not everyone's going to. I just, when we went down to Nicaragua, uh, part of, I mean, we had a few different reasons for going there, but one of the things that we did when we were down there is we picked this amazing, beautiful setting on the ocean and I put together a 12-week online course, and it's free, uh, and it's available on my Facebook page, Stephanie Banks. You can just people can just look it up, or I could send you a link um, afterwards, and mm-hmm. then you uh, can I, post it if you want. Yeah, I do create a podcast for every show, so I will have a page where people can find your Facebook page and your YouTube channel too. Hey, and your website. Right. Yeah, all of that stuff will be right there, and the program. Um, it's kind of I, how I see it is uh, as a starting point for a lot of people to, um, I, it's basically called the 12 Principles of Living a Conscious and Purposeful Life, and it's basically what we're talking about here on the show. And uh, to me, they're the, the simplest ways um, to get back into alignment. So if we're looking for more purpose and we're looking for more clarity and we're looking to wake up without running our bikes into a rock face or, or whatever it is, um, there's some basic simple steps that I think um, need to be taken and become part of your everyday life, not just things that you do from time to time that will keep you in alignment. So when I say in alignment, really what I'm talking about is living in accordance with your soul, living um, in accordance with your spirit, that part of us that is always connected to, to the divine, to source, to God, whatever word, it doesn't matter. We all know, I think most of us will know what I'm talking about, but that 
the piece of us that comes from the place of love and compassion uh, and sincerity. And uh, when we live from that place as frequently as we can, that's where the magic happens. That's where we can find healing within. That's where we find balance and harmony. And that's where we see um, clarity in terms of uh, what's real in this world and what's not. You know, like at the end of the at the end of our life, if we're you know lying on our deathbed, are we going to be thinking about all the cool pairs of shoes that we once owned? Are we going to be thinking about um, the sort of the material surface dwelling? things that go along with being a human and there's nothing wrong with those like don't get me wrong I have no judgment about that because I love those things too but it's incorporating them in such a way that they're not they're not the focal point of your existence the focal point of existence um, is in my opinion anyways is for connection connection to our fellow human beings connection to um, our furry friends on the planet to the trees to the to the ocean, to the rivers, to our, our planet here on Earth, and then to extend that beyond and go outwards into the universe and the galaxies and um, everything that we are, we're connected to at all. So when we embrace our connection and we understand our value and our um, divine purpose and our eternalness, then we can really tap into something much deeper as a human being and um and align with synchronicities, you know, those cool events that take place that Mm -hmm. make life so much easier. You know, you're looking for a phone number and all of a sudden it falls out of your pocket or whatever. You know, those little things that happen that create ease and flow in our life. And and when we live from this place, when we have uh, challenges arise, rather than um, stumbling through them and um, getting sort of angry and irate and falling into this trap of, uh, of negativity over them, we're able to manage our, our way through um, these times that are a bit more turbulent in a, in a more graceful manner. So tips, A, I would say watch, watch the online course, but I'll give you a couple right now. Um, the first one that I outlined in the course, week one, is gratitude. When in doubt, come back to gratitude. Yeah, uh, I I think it's the the quickest way. Um, that and being of service um, to either yourself or others is the quickest way to get back into a flow. So if you're you know somebody cuts you off and you feel like getting mad because you haven't eaten all day and you're tired or whatever, mm-hmm. um, find something to be grateful for in that moment. Maybe be grateful for the fact that you're in a vehicle that's running and has <laughs> wheels and gas in it. Find anything that you can be grateful for. And Glad then, that you have uh, a middle finger, even. <laughs> anything. Yeah. If you're breathing and you feel like you've got nothing else to be grateful mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. be grateful for the fact that you're still still breathing. And um, I, I just I think that there's always there's always something to be grateful for for if you're still here on this planet. And uh, and it's it's a really powerful tool. And all these all these tools really are are simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we all know about gratitude. But how often are we actually doing it? How often are we actually waking up in the morning and feeling grateful? And it becomes a part of your life. So, you know, when you're making dinner, all you're grateful for the fact that you've got food, that you're, you're, you've got, you're grateful for the fact that you have water, like clean water to wash your food and to rinse it. And, you know, if you're so lucky to be in a country where that's possible. Um, so l- simple lessons, but transformational uh, being of service to another human being is a really quick one, too. You know, like, there was a man walking across the crosswalk, and I was running late. I actually didn't walk in my door until 10 minutes um, before this interview. Uh, and part of the reason why is there was a gentleman that was really struggling to get across the street because of all the snow piles. And I watched, like, three or four people just barrel on past them without giving him another thought. And, you know, my heart couldn't do that. So I just stopped, and I helped him, and we maneuvered around the snow, and... And here we are talking about it, like something so small. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've been reminded of lately is, you know, some people are really good at looking after other people, but not so good at looking after themselves. And sometimes it's uh, the opposite. So it's also important if you're the kind of person who habitually does look after others it's it's so important to also consider yourself in that equation that um unless you love yourself 
uh, you're really not getting the point. <laughs> Does that Absolutely. make sense? And, that, and that's, one, that's one of the 12 principles that I talk about, and it's self-love. And, um, and for a lot of people, it is really, it's much easier to, uh, to feel inclined to be of service to other people, but it's not so easy to receive it. So one of the things I talk about in that module is the idea of being the receiver. So um, the idea of self-love can go off in a different, couple different directions for sure, but I think the one I'll just choose to, to focus in on here is, um, especially in North America, we have this tendency to think that we can do everything ourselves and that it's a sign of weakness to accept help from other people. Mm-hmm. What I like to remind people of is that as a, as a human being here on this earth, part of this collective community... We have a right, I have a right, um, to offer my, my assistance and my services to, to you, to somebody else, to extend that. It's my offering. It's, it's something that um, is inherent to being a human being, is the ability to do that. So when I offer my, uh, my love, my support, my resources, my time, whatever it is, if I'm reaching out and I'm offering that to you and your first response is, no, thank you, I got this, you're basically um, shutting down my right to <laughs> receive uh, the love back from you by denying me the opportunity to help you. So Stopping the flow. Exactly. Yeah. Stopping the flow. That's a beautiful way to put it. And um, and that's what keeps it going around because then, you know, the, 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 the serotonin levels that, that are happening in me as a result of you accepting my offering um, is important to my well-being. So don't feel as though you're being a burden to somebody else or you're showing weakness because you're accepting. Uh, look at it more as your gift back to them by allowing them to give to you. Well, I think part of it too is, is not wanting to be beholden to another individual, and that's a lack of trust. When you allow someone to help you, then, yeah, there is a, a debt to be paid, if you will, but it doesn't necessarily have to go back to the person that's offered it up. You can pay it forward, to quote a line from a famous movie from years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it all comes down to uh, to expectations and personal yeah. belief systems. Yeah. So, you know, if you're dealing with somebody who seems to always have a price tag attached to everything, then... Maybe that's not the person to accept from. Yeah. Or if you do accept from that person, then just know that there is a price tag and that's just part of the relationship that you have with that person and you either accept it or you don't. You can't change it because they have their own belief system to, to go by. But you'll know, um, you'll know your own relationship with, with people around you. Yeah. And the idea is that, um, is that you're accepting of, of their terms if they have them or mm-hmm. not. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when we're waking up to a different way of living, relationships change. We don't necessarily yep. keep the same people in our lives that we had, you know, 10, 15, even five months ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's another important thing to recognize that it's not a failure to outgrow a relationship. It's actually a failure to try to maintain a relationship that is clearly gone south. It's not a failure, but it's a frustration. It's like, okay, you just reach a point where you say, all right, we're on different paths now. And just simply accepting that and trusting that everyone is on their own respective journey, right? Exactly. And if you, yeah. know, if you believe in, in past life experiences and future lives to come, uh, really this one lifetime is just a speck in the whole yeah. scheme of it all. So if you, if you divert ways, um, for a while or even for yeah. the rest of this particular lifetime, that doesn't mean that you're not going to pick up somewhere else. And mm-hmm. sometimes it is for the better of both parties involved to just um, know when to, when to move on. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's, there's something to be said about putting some effort into a relationship and um, knowing by the end of it that you've done everything you can as a, as a conscious, um, respectful human being. Yeah. Um, but there's no sense treading in water if, if if it's not worthwhile if it's not if it's not for the betterment of all involved and mm-hmm. um and primarily yourself because in the end um like you said so well earlier if it's if, if you're not happy inside there's no possible way that you can make every that you can um 
that you can love people and allow them to love you unconditionally because you don't you're not vibrating at that frequency and in order yeah. to attract that kind of love then you need to be vibrating at it and the only way to get to that level is to feel it inside and to know it and to have um, enough self-worth and self-value uh, to be able to know um, who to have in in your life uh, at different times of your life for different reasons well and you also referred to price and what stuck in my head in that situation is Sometimes it's nice to know what the price is up front, right? Like you have an exchange of energy, whatever it is, and when it's clearly defined that, okay, you're asking for help and they agree to help and you agree on either a trade for service or you're exchanging money for the service, it's cut and dry when it's all over and done with. Whereas sometimes the the dynamics that happen with people when you do someone a favor then all of a sudden there are expectations that are involved, and that's when the, the waters can get kind of muddied. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And coming from a, um, a business background, after being self-employed for the last 15, 16 years, yeah. uh, one, of the, you know, one of the things that I've, I've had to learn uh, is clear communication. Yeah. And uh, there's no sense waffling and beating around the bush, um, because it doesn't go anywhere. Eventually, the eventually the truth is going to arise and it's going to surface um, through those muddy waters. And then you you know the, then you enter into territory that you don't really know how to navigate because there were there were no um, there was nothing set out from the beginning. So yeah. you know with your friends, with your family, uh, with with your acquaintance, acquaintances, with with clients, employers, employees, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think you, you just need to, um, most most people need to really develop their communication skills. And just by doing that alone, that's speaking from the heart. That's, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily always speaking from, uh, from the ego, because that's where we come from a lot of the time, but learning how to manage the two. And one of the principles and the 12 principles of living a conscious and spiritual life or conscious and purposeful life program is defining what is the soul and what is the ego. Um, and when once you do that, then it's easier to communicate because uh, you can you can come from the heart while still using your logical mind to formulate ideas and to know what it is that you need in order to feel validated by the end end of an exchange of whatever it is. Yeah. And then the person that you're um, communicating with um, also knows what to expect. And then a, an ongoing relationship can ensue that's based on, well, communication from the heart. And there's a higher degree of trust. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And people appreciate that. And that comes down to the idea of authenticity. And a lot of my events, um, the title is Creating Authentic Power. Yeah. And having an, having enough faith in, in yourself and also in the person that you're exchanging with, having enough faith in, in both parties and then, of course, your surrounding universe that... Um, that you will be received well in what you're saying because it's coming from the heart. It's not coming from um, somebody that you're not. It's not coming from uh, the ideas uh, that belong to somebody else. So in other words, um, just because somebody says that, oh, you could be charging $300 an hour for your consulting fees, okay, that's fine, but how do you see it? Like, what's your value? Um, Who are you? What's getting back to understanding who you are, what beliefs actually belong to you, which ones you just adopted along the way, which probably 90% of them we have, um, and becoming more in tune and in touch with uh, the roots of who we are will then allow us to communicate from the heart more clearly because we know who we are and we value it and we love ourselves so deeply that that's going to emanate to the person you're communicating with at a vibratory level that they're then going to match. So even if they don't necessarily agree to all your terms, you're at least going to be uh, in a state of um, the ability to compromise and come up with a decision that works for everyone involved. Yeah. So you're not attached to an actual number, for example. You just trust that, okay, you need to have a flow of energy between both parties and trust that it's going to meet everyone's needs. And if it doesn't, then have enough self-love to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I will definitely um, connect with you and get all of the links to that course and your YouTube channel and all of that. Uh, let everybody know um, shifthappensnow.ca or shifthappens.media is where you'll find the post and you can listen to the audio of this interview on Sunday or anytime once I've posted it online. Uh, it's been amazing to talk to you, Stephanie. Yeah, and if you're open to it, we'd like to do this again sometime in the future. Well, Absolutely, yep. And mm-hmm. I'll put it out to the listeners that um, Stephanie is has said on air that she's willing to come on <laughs> down and do a Solomon session maybe or just a, a workshop, um, and we'd be happy to help organize that. So if anybody is interested you can uh, go to our website, contact us, or contact Stephanie, and uh, let us know, and we'll see what we can organize. No, that would be great. I would definitely definitely be up for that. And if anyone's looking for upcoming events, uh, just go to my website, and you can sign up for the email. Um, it's a monthly email newsletter outlining the events and the places where I'm going to be. So Right, and yeah. that's stephanie-banks.com, is it not? stephanie-banks.com, yep. And and thanks again for all this wonderful loopy speak. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Jeff has this uh, term when we get a little bit out there. He calls us loopy doodles. <laughs> well, I think we're all a little bit loopy somehow. So, <laughs> well, especially in the Kootenays, there's many yes, of us. But, but yeah. it's, uh, guess, it's r- really good to talk to fellow loopy doodles and not uh, not have judgments around the fact that we are trying to live our lives in a positive way. And like you say, there, there's dark stuff happening in the world right now, but it's, um, it's so important to focus on what you want to create and the positives and power that, uh, I, you know, when you said hamster wheel, I thought, uh, Tibetan prayer wheel. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, it's a really good one. Put sending out that so the hamster wheel might be the negative, but the Tibetan prayer wheel is the positive. Perfect. I love the way that evolved. Yeah, and just you know, always keep in mind that it starts within. So, in order to change the world, you need to be the change. Exactly. I think that's a good note to end the show on. Thanks so much. So So thanks again, Stephanie. Say, say hi to Steve, and I guess we'll be chatting with him next week. Yeah, for the, oh, our listeners, perfect. next yeah. week we're going to talk to Steve about Psyche. Okay, you guys are in for a treat. That'll be amazing. There we go. Well, it was amazing this week. Yeah, thanks very much. And You're again, welcome. we'll talk soon. Okay, okay. bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so we were talking to Stephanie Banks, and she lives in Kamloops, and we'll be talking to her a much worse half uh, next week. So anyway, Jeff from Oye is on deck. He's looking through the window and saying, I want to play some music. I want to play some music. Well, he's not. Well, I think I'm reading his lips when he's saying that. But anyway, we're going to get out of here now. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.